Welcome to Base Camp for Men. I'm your host, Tony Rezac. This is the show that gives you insights and resources in how to live a more courageous life. We'll be looking at men, the current state of masculinity, and how to create a more inspiring narrative for all men. Welcome and let's get started. The Big D, Men in Depression. I spent my early years as a man with an assumption that any man who had depression was too weak to handle life's natural ups and downs. After all, I was an athlete, and athletes are taught to keep their energy up and throw any obstacles, emotional or otherwise, to the side so that you can be all that you can be, quote unquote. Then I hit my 30s, and it descended upon me. This dark cloud that seemed to sap my energy and my motivation. I felt heavy. I thought I was just in a funk. This will pass, I told myself. Weeks and then months went by. It did not and would not pass. I had no compass or reference for this. My solution? Hey, let's drink more. Yeah, that might do the trick. I don't think I was even aware at the time that alcohol was a serious depressant. That was how clueless I was. One night, my very intuitive and very intelligent wife came over to sit with me on the couch. She could see my struggle and confusion and knew that this was not normal for me. She told me that she thought I had depression and that the first step would be to start to see a therapist. At first, I was resistant. After all, I am not a man who gets depressed. Yet as I sat with myself for a few more days, it became more and more obvious that she was right. I looked up therapists in my area and started to gently walk myself back to wellness and energy. Men seem to fear therapy. They don't want others to know they are seeing a therapist and men can be afraid of what they will say or reveal during these sessions. It takes courage to work towards your wounds. But the gifts of this process are exceptional. Greater clarity, better emotional intelligence, more compassion for yourself and for others, and better energy for your life. If you are a man who is honestly struggling with the phase that you're currently in, I highly recommend that you start the process of working through this. And that means finding someone qualified to talk to. I think you will see, as I did, that even in a few sessions, you'll start to feel things moving in a good direction. Much of what you learn in therapy is patience, both with yourself and patience with the process. As men, we are cultured to make things happen fast, and in many ways to ignore our inner life. Moving through a depression, no matter the severity, requires that the soul dictates the pace. The mind moves fast, but the mind can't uncover the deeper messages and mysteries that are often hidden in depression. With a good guide and a commitment to moving at the soul's pace, I have seen many men move through a dark place and towards more light and inner awareness. Lastly, it takes courage to face yourself. This is always true, but maybe never more so than when facing what has been hidden and working to express and understand it. Getting help is no longer a sign of weakness. It never was. Getting support is a commitment to yourself and your loved ones. It sends a message that the coming year is going to be different than last year. It says, I am taking steps towards greater self-care and better self-awareness. Before we get to our interview, I thought it'd be good to look at some relevant statistics to help us understand this issue. According to the American Psychological Association, 30% of men will suffer from a period of depression in their lifetime. The National Institute of Mental Health states that 6 million American men suffer from depression each year. And depression is a high risk factor for suicide. Suicide rates for American men is four times higher than women. Every day, 123 men in the U.S. and 84 men in the U.K. take their own lives. In Australia, three out of four suicides are men. This dynamic is not just happening here in the States. It seems to be happening all over the place. 
My guest today is Benjamin Seaman. Ben is a psychotherapist who's been practicing in New York City for 20 years, specializing in couples and emotional literacy for men of all backgrounds. He has appeared in print, TV, and radio outlets on various self-help issues. Mr. Seaman was co-director of an annual spiritual retreat for men from 2005 to 2017 and continues to offer workshops on creativity, relationships, and other personal growth topics. You can read about his practice at benjaminseaman.com. Mr. Seaman is also a visual artist, and you can view his work on Instagram at Visual Art by Ben. Here's my interview with Ben I'm here with Ben Seaman, who's a return guest. Ben was on uh, episode four as we talked all about emotional intelligence. And today I've got Ben on uh, for the episode around depression. Ben is a psychotherapist. So Ben, welcome to Base Camp for Men. It's great to have you back on the show. Thanks, Tony. Great. It's uh, great to be back. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been super excited about this episode. It's been in the hopper for a while and we finally coordinated the schedule um, men in depression, it's like one of these things that's not particularly talked about a lot. Um, and it kind of lurks in the shadows. Um, what are the signs? Like what are, you're a man and things are going on. What are the signs of depression? How does a man might know he have it? He has. Depression? It's such a great question because men are so socialized to basically have two feelings, psyched and pissed. And anything else is sort of, you're just sort of, even if it's, if you're not some kind of Rambo macho man, the message is to deliver and produce and slog through. Uh, and we're not cultivated to know how we're feeling exactly. Um, but I think it would be really great if everybody took a deep breath and just listened to these symptoms and ask yourself if you ever felt this stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a little bit of a long list, but I'm just going to say them slowly so people will catch it. Great. Um, one is persistent sadness lasting two weeks or more. Now, there is a loss of interest in your favorite things. Finding no fun or enjoyment in life. Loss of self-confidence. Feeling guilty, bad, unlikable, or not good enough. Feeling empty inside. Feeling useless or unable to cope with life. Feeling bored all the time. Increased feelings of anxiety. An inability to see a future for yourself. Thinking everything is pointless. Thinking life is not worth living. Thoughts of death or suicide. Wanting to go to sleep and never wake up again. Um, especially low mood uh, upon waking. Uh, feeling more irritable, frustrated, or aggressive than usual. And trouble concentrating on things. Uh, foggy head, poor memory. Lots of concentration. Mm -hmm. What's it like to just hear all those symptoms? Yeah, I mean... That is quite a list. And, you know, my sense, too, is there's probably a lot of men that have many of those but would never say they're depressed. I remember when I I've had depression twice. We'll talk about it in just a little bit here. But the first time my wife said, I think you're depressed when I was like 30. And she may as well have said, you've got an alien that's living on your head. Like I was just like, no way. No, it, it, 
it couldn't be that, right? That's for other guys. I mean, but I had many of those, I had many of those things that you just listed going on. I just could not get both feet over there, right? Yeah. I mean, one thing I would hope that people take home from our talk today is that I don't see depression as like a switch that just flips on one day. Mm. I see it more as a dynamic process. Mm. And I think we all have ways we quote unquote depress ourselves. Uh, and I see uh, depression as anger turned inward. Mm. And it's, uh, it's a relationship with yourself that's critical or frustrated or demanding. Mm -hmm. We'll unpack that a little bit more, but um, I think that we can all just learn how to practice self-compassion, mm -hmm. even if that sounds a little new agey. Because um, I think everybody might have a taste of some of this stuff, even just on a given day. Absolutely. And it, it's, I think it's about developing a, a practice with yourself that is embracing of all your reactions to life. Yeah. And not slogging through even when things feel terrible. Is there, is there, Ben, is there causes of depression or does it, is it more, you know, the complications of life and, and you maybe you're repressing emotions over time and then it just piles up and all of a sudden everything's really flat. I mean, or is it sometimes one thing that all of a sudden you're in this, you know, pool of loss and, and you can't pick yourself out of it? I mean, basically I would say there's, and you know, just a caveat, there are some people out there that have true organic uh, brain-based depression that's mm. from some type of chemical imbalance mm -hmm. but the pharmaceutical industry would like you to think all of us have that chemical imbalance and get us all on some kind of meds mm. i i think for the most part most of us don't ever need to take meds and don't need to uh, think that we have a chemical imbalance mm -hmm. but <clears throat> what i do think depression is is uh a reaction to something that we can't process fully. So okay. let's say I lose a loved one or I get fired from a job unexpectedly. Mm -hmm. I'm going to have my reaction, whether it's the rage of losing something or being fired or, or the grief of this change. Mm -hmm. But if I'm accepting of my feelings, I'm going to just process right through them and I'm going to, talk about it with whoever I'm going to uh, embrace the feeling. I'm going to shed the tears. I'm going to get mad at the right people that I should be getting mad at, mm -hmm. but it's not blocked, but there are so many ways that we block our emotion, whether it's, well, okay, I just got this bad news, but I got to keep it together to finish class. Right. And then I get home and I see my partner and I got to keep it together for my family. Mm -hmm. And, uh, before you know it, you haven't let yourself feel your feelings. Mm -hmm. So that starts to build up. And if you're already someone who's like uh, not cultured to feel your feelings, you're, their setup is already in there. Right. Is there a difference between, you hear a lot about clinical depression. Is the clinical depression different than situational depression? Is the clinical more of the chemical imbalance that you spoke of earlier? Or is there a no, what I would say is like situational is like what I'm describing, like mm -hmm. uh, loss of a loved one, unexpected loss of a job. Yeah. Um, so many different kind of acute incident type situations. Mm -hmm. uh, really clinical depression is just that situational stuff that hasn't worked itself out. Okay. Most of us have like a, like what I call like a happiness set point that, we just eventually gravitate back to once we've processed something. Mm -hmm. There are some people that 
a loss of a job, they don't recover from it, whether it's because they never get that job back that's that's brings them that level of dignity or mm -hmm. um, it started a seed of self-doubt that they never quite kick. Uh, the the persistent depression that, that goes past, say, a, a six-week period, mm -hmm. is that gets into what we call clinical depression. Okay. Okay. Is there, you hear a lot about uh, burnout today, you yeah. know, a burnout. Is that, is that a shade of depression? Is that a different animal? Yeah. Is that just burnout a question? Is depression that's related to undue work stress. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That, it's, that it's, it's enduring something that normally would not depress you, not upset you to go through it, but that it becomes long-term sustained and with no relief. So the treatment, if I'm a client of yours and I'm coming in and I'm saying, you know, these, all these things are going on, I'm just feeling burnout. The yeah. And then the communication and maybe some of the recommendations might be the same as somebody that came in for depression in a way. I mean, I'm generalizing, but. If, if I'm really, if me and my client agree, this is burnout, mm -hmm. what we'll be looking at is changing the work level. Got it. And, and saying, you know, and I have plenty of clients that will admit to me they haven't taken a vacation in three years. Yeah. But let's start with, let's get you a week off and see how it feels. Remember what feeling you feel like yourself is. Right. I, I mean, I hear a lot out in the community. I hear more men copping to that they've got burnout because okay. that seems more acceptable probably for yeah. Great. Rather than say I'm looking at, I may be depressed because they just don't want to be right. smeared. Burnout is sort of like I, I was given too much work. It's not my fault. It's not my character flaw. Correct. Yeah, yeah. I must be weak. Exactly. Exactly. But it's, I mean, let's, did you ever suffer from depression at all? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So let's compare a little bit. Like I've got, I had two instances. I had it for when I was a young man and I'll tell you the situation and then kind of what I learned from it. Cause there was, there's teaching inside of depression, right? There's Absolutely. things you learn about self-care and stuff. So the first time I had it, um, I had moved and left all my college friends. I just got married and I moved to New York city and I didn't know anybody. And, uh, you know, it was, I was lonely. My wife was in drama school and I really didn't know anybody. And, yeah. and I was away from my steady Eddie friends. And you know, all of a sudden I was spiraling downward and drinking too much. Um, and you know, the, it was the first time once my wife said, I think you're depressed. And I went, what really? And I started to kind of look into it. I got into therapy and that was such a great thing. I learned so much in those therapy sessions about my inner life that I still apply to this day. That's um, great. And then the, the second time was the move back to Seattle from New York. And um, again, I was left all the friends from New York and I was just feeling not where I wanted to be as a man. I was feeling like a failure on a lot of levels as a 40 year old, not, you know, and just dealing with a lot of shame. Um, I was drinking too much again. And, and the, the goal in that round was I got sober. I finally decided, look, I've had enough of this. Every time I'm stressed out, I start drinking too much. Mm. Right. And so I let that go. That's such a gift. Yeah. And that was a huge gift. I mean, I, I feel so much healthier today because of that realization, but it wouldn't have come had I not gone through that kind of dark night of the soul and gone, okay, what's going on with me? I feel flat. I'm not inspired. Um, yeah. I should be more energized right now. And I'm not, I just feel like, you know, bored and uninspired and not in my mission or any of those things. So, um, 
Yeah. It's so interesting the the way you frame it because you're able to see them as distinct kind of moments in time. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm so much more used to, for whatever reason, uh, there's no right or wrong, but I'm, I'm used to seeing it much more as waves of stuff Mm. that that just things darken and things lighten up. And Hmm. um, I'm just sort of aware of like processing stuff on lots of different levels and, Mm-hmm. even feeling sometimes that part of me is very depressed about something while part, another part of me is rather elated mm-hmm. and that, it, that I'm sort of um, a complicated person inside, I guess. Um, but I do remember uh, when I was 15, I ran away from home. I was a very angry, rebellious kid. And you, I, I would see that. <laughs> uh, you could see that kid that I was. And I was such a, uh, I was, I think I was in a very dark place. Mm-hmm. And like you, I did have the good fortune end up in a therapist's office and found every session to be this revelation. Mm-hmm. I had come from an emotionally illiterate family and this therapist would just throw away phrases that were, must've been easy for him. But to me, they were like, the light opening up and, and shedding light on dynamics and processes that uh, must have been easy for him to see, but for me, were like the first time I'd ever heard such things. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Even just just identifying, I bet that person was jealous of you when they did that, and I would say, "Oh my God, that's a revelation." Yeah, or whatever it was. Um, but I it, it isn't as if oh I suddenly was not depressed anymore after going to therapy. There was plenty of struggles coming up. Then I went away to college. College had its own struggles. Yeah, um, I've spent years in therapy working through this stuff. Um, it's hard to say if there was one day I went oh okay I'm not depressed anymore. Mm-hmm. But just there's just stuff I'm always chewing on. Yeah, uh, but at the same time every year I'm just can count you know, more and more ways I'm self-compassionate. That's great. I mean, that's what I was going to ask you is, did you find that your self-care went up by going through that? Absolutely. You know, I, for me, I just, I never wanted to slow down and listen to myself, but it forced me those bouts with that kind of dark, you know, matter that was going on in my, in my inner life. You know, it, it, one of the impacts was that I learned to slow down um, stop pushing through everything. Stop acting like everything's yeah. great. Great, like it's okay to be, you know, confused and lost and just not feeling like yeah. reaching out to people. It's okay to just grab some soup and a blanket and just kind of take care of myself. Yeah. And I don't yeah. care what people say, you know. <laughs> like, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, do you uh, uh, do you treat a lot of depression in your practice? Is that a common yeah, kind I of? Mean- the thing is, I don't find it that useful to call it a name. Okay. Uh, uh, I actually use a type of therapy called internal family systems. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just ask people if they're aware of any parts inside them at the beginning of a particular session that want some attention. Mm. And then I ask if we could talk to that part and ask how that part is doing. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times it's a part that feels very put upon by a another part that's very tough. And uh, so to me, depression, just 99% of the time is a tough part of you beating up a vulnerable part of you. Uh, that's and great. so it's, it's a part saying, I can't believe you didn't get more done today. Yeah. And this other part kind of helplessly saying, yeah, you're right. I could have done more. 
and just getting deflated. Yeah. Versus a better conversation would be, let's count the eight things we did today and give ourselves a gold star for that. And then check with ourselves, is there anything else we'd like to try to do? And, you know, the same way you talk to anybody else but yourself. Right, right, right. Yeah, I would I would show compassion for anybody struggling through stuff. But myself, sometimes it's just like, uh, uh-uh, uh, you don't get the same break, right. you know, come on, you know, energize yourself, you know, kind of thing. So exactly. there's yeah. no friend that would call you up and say, I didn't think, I just didn't get anything done today. And you would be like, it's not your best work. It's not your best work. The way we would talk to ourselves. Can you imagine? Yeah. What a great friend. I tell people you wouldn't work for a boss that talks the way you do to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. You would quit that job in a day. So it all comes back down to self-love and self-care again, right? It's like that's Yeah. I mean, I, I wish I could think of a more macho way to to refer to it, but yeah. it's it's like being the best possible coach to yourself. Yeah. And and saying, This is what I would have liked for you to have done today, but I'm proud of all the stuff you did do. Yeah. And if you didn't do more, maybe you just didn't have the energy and you needed the break. Right. Right. What, what are, what are some resources that you would, let's say you had a friend, uh, you know, and, and you're starting to get, you're not a therapist. You're just a, you know, you're a buddy and you're just noticing that, huh, this dark cloud on my friend uh, around him has been kind of persistent for the past, say six months or a year. And, and, uh, and I want to help him, but I'm not really quite sure. Like what's, what's the right, you know, kind of conversation to have with your friend and where would you point him if you were like, you know, here's a book or here's a website or something that he might go check out, you know, on his own? That is such a great question. And first of all, I just think if anybody actually talks to their friends about their concern for them, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, if, if men all over the country said, Hey, I think I'm a little worried about you. Mm -hmm. I think that would be a cultural revolution right there. Mm. Um, it's a little hard to say resources because a lot of it's down to what are local therapists and mental health services that are available there. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, as, as cheesy as it is, I think Google can be your friends and you, as, I mean, I, I'm embarrassed to say this, but I am amazed how many times you can Google the exact thing you're concerned about and people have been searching for it. Yeah. Um, but there are, there are national, uh, hotlines. There are definitely national suicide hotlines. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand you have some resources, um, uh, that you're, yep. that you have at the end of the show. Yep. Absolutely. Um, I think being there for people is a fantastic resource. Mm-hmm. Um, just listening. Yeah. Yeah. And I think for, for men, um, knowing it's okay, it's okay to not have, to not be king of the mountain or, you know, like I think sometimes men get, you know, Oh man, I was just, I was killing it. I was loving my career. Everything's going well. And then like you said, it could be a, their dad died or their mom passed away or they got fired all of a sudden and they didn't see it coming. Yeah. All of a sudden there's this kind of dark night of the soul where they're just like, uh Oh, how do I pick myself back up? And then this cascade of, just negative affect and sometimes negative self-talk comes in 
And it's just, it's okay to go through that. That's part of the full spectrum of your emotional life as a man. It's, we're really not built to just go from one victory to the next without any right. sort of setbacks whatsoever. It's just not, yeah. you know, life is constructed as a learning tool for well, us. You know, I'll give you an example. I, I'm working with a guy right now who was incredibly ambitious as an athlete. Mm -hmm. And he had a father who was also a very successful athlete. And he grew up knowing that this kind of um, fearless, aggressive, kill your opponent attitude could work in just about anything he did. Mm -hmm. And it served him really well. Yep. And he had a lot of fun being great at sports and then being great at his career. Mm -hmm. and then he ended up little by little in a firm that just did not honor what he brought to the job. Got it. Uh, it it's, it's kind of complex how to explain it, but basically this tool he had inside him no longer worked. Mm. And at the same time, this kind of beat the enemy energy ended up turning on him. And he started talking to himself the way he would think towards his opponents. Oh, man. He became the recipient of all that aggressive, ambitious energy. Mm. It was now plowing him down. And he started having panic attacks for the first time in his life, which uh, I was able to tell him panic attacks 90% of the time are anger turned inward. Mm -hmm. If we just start to identify everything you're angry about, you're going to feel better really fast. Um, and the more we could identify, you're not broken or crazy. You you just have this like lightsaber of athletic, aggressive energy aimed right at you. Yeah. We have to get it aimed back out of you and into life where it belongs. Did did he did he, was he able to see how that kind of alpha male way of being in a way he he learned that that's not always going to work in every situation but was he able to kind of find new resources or was he looking to assert that again in a better situation and stop the negative self-talk i mean i think the interesting thing was we were able to just identify this amazing resource he had mm -hmm. from a little bit of distance Got it. for him it had been automatic totally he never stood back and appreciated it as a tool that he had and had developed yeah um and we did a lot of work on just appreciating, dude, you have this amazing energy source that crushes things in its path when, when it's aimed in the right direction. Yeah. And that was the beginning of getting his self-esteem back up and, um, and then realizing it's also a powerful weapon that you cannot aim at yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Do it, and that was taking steps to change his job around. That's great. It is in your practice. Is it, is it, um, do men and women handle these episodes differently typically, or do you see, no, no, it's a human thing, not necessarily a gender thing, or is there definite distinctions between men and women on this? I mean, I feel like at this point, uh, men and women are more similar than different mm -hmm. on a lot of things, Yep. but I do continue to see a lot of men, um, especially because I work in couples therapy mm -hmm. and I get a lot of referrals from couples therapists who have a man who cannot access their emotions. Yep. And so uh, they may they may not be representative of the whole population, but they're guys with often very black and white thinking yep. um, and used to uh, 
kind of slogging through and um, not listening to themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A lot of times there's a lot of addiction. Yep. So yep. that's a that too. Yep. I hear you. Well, that's awesome. Ben, thank you so much for being on the show. Absolutely. It, it is always great to talk to you. You're always, you're always insightful. I always love taking a look at things with you as a guide because I just feel like there's fresh insights for, for myself and the listeners. And thank you for making time for us and, Absolutely. and have you back on again. Yeah, yeah. Thanks so All much. Right. I really appreciate Ben's insights into all this. A couple of the important takeaways and resources. For one, medication is often not needed, despite the pharmaceutical industry's insistence. I think men are wary of prescription drugs as a quick fix, as well they should be. If you can tackle it in a natural way, hey, why not do so? Ben also mentioned that he uses a methodology called internal family systems, and I thought this sounded really interesting. It seems like a particularly useful method to help work through negative self-talk and the messages we may have picked up from our family dynamics. To find a therapist trained in internal family systems, go to www.selfleadership.org. I also loved how Ben framed therapy as an initiation into better self-awareness and inner knowing. This fits with our themes here on Basecamp for Men. And lastly, if you or a loved one are suicidal, the National Helpline is a confidential 24-hour-a-day, 365-days-a-year information service in both English and Spanish. This service provides referrals to local treatment facilities, support groups, and community-based organizations for individuals and family members facing mental or substance use disorders. The number for the National Helpline is 1-800-487-4889. That's our show for today. Man, remember that the story of your life is not yet all told. I'm Tony Rezac, and thank you for listening to Basecamp for Men.